Hello and welcome back to the Anti-Diet Club podcast. This is a show for those who are looking to heal their relationship with food and their body. I'm one of your hosts, Gillian. And I'm Tamsin. We are both anti-diet coaches on a mission to disrupt diet culture. And with this podcast, you can expect fortnightly episodes. And we talk about things such as body acceptance, intuitive eating, and dismantling anti-fat bias. We share loads of our own experiences and insights. um, And we have guests as well to help you discover a life outside of dieting. And if you haven't already, please come and follow us on Instagram. The handle is the Anti-Diet Club podcast. And if you check out the show notes of all the episodes, you will find out how to connect with us and how to work with us. So this week we have another guest for you, another um, client story, which we love doing because it really helps us kind of dive into the topics that are quite often on the mind of those who are diving into this work, who are kind of coming into the anti-diet space, trying to discover what it's all about. And this episode was fabulous. Um, it's an emotional one. It's a it's a, a real journey. And I just loved the conversation. It was brilliant. We, we had a really good time, didn't we? Yeah, Siobhan was an amazing person to work with. Um, She comes um, into this work from such an interesting background that we we dive into. She dives into uh, during the discussion about her um, childhood and and, and around food insecurity, right? We we talk all the time about um, voluntary food insecurity in terms of like voluntary restricting food. But actually what she really speaks to is is that um, food insecurity from a like financial and economic um, perspective. Um, we talk about how about dieting as an addiction. She talks about that idea of 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 loving the praise and the validation of being a good dieter, being a successful dieter time and time again. Uh, we talk about veganism. We talk about self-compassion. We're all really honest about how healing is a process, right? None of us were on that call. We're in that discussion feeling fixed, feeling recovered post tense that it is such an ongoing process um and I think she spoke really brilliantly about the benefits of coaching as well which we yeah. uh, we talked about in our um previous episodes yeah like I was saying to her on the time you know it, she was able to articulate what we're quite often trying to articulate in our messaging and it's something you know when but when somebody's kind of going through and being through that process and is still going through that journey it's just so incredible and I love I love these client stories I love the real stories that we do and I just want to continue doing them because I just I think it's so it's so rewarding talking to professionals in this space but when you're talking to people who are really going through I could and it's different for everybody all the different Mm -hmm. things that happen to Mm. them and how they've grown up around food and their food and body story I just find it fascinating and it um, is hopefully our audience will too so we thank you for joining us again and and we hope you enjoy it so we're really excited today to welcome Siobhan to the podcast. Hi, Siobhan. Hello. Siobhan's one of my uh, private clients. We've worked together for probably the last six months or so, just coming to the end of our time together. And I'm excited to speak to you today. And also thanks so much for uh, agreeing to come on and, and chat to us. No, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So let's start by um, 
I'm going to hand over to you and feel free to start anywhere you like in terms of your journey with your body and your relationship with food. Okay. So the main thing you need to know, Tamsin, is that I'm really funny. So prepare. <laughs> prepare I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so the, the, the start of the story isn't funny at all, actually. So um, basically, my food stuff started from basically when I was born. So um, my I had quite a sort of like busy turmoil traumatic childhood I was um placed in care when I was nine um because my mum was a drug addict and an alcoholic so with um my mum she was like an amazing person really funny really fun um but she had like her own demons and that's what she used as advice and as a result of that it meant when I was under her care um and my younger sister, who is about she's about 21 months younger than me, um, when we were under our mum's care, it meant that I basically cared for my sister. It also meant with food, there was lots of scarcity and then lots of like binging. So food was like a reward. It was like lots of boom and bust. Like one minute, there'd be lots of money and lots of food. And the next minute it would be like, I, I, as like maybe a seven-year-old would be cooking super noodles, um, things like that. Um, because of sort of like how occupied my mum was with whatever she was doing, it meant that like when we did have the means to, we could literally eat whatever we wanted. So we used to go to the local fish and chip shop, like the local bakery co-op, and we could buy whatever we wanted, which to lots of kids is like amazing. And it was, so we we, like always loved chocolate and like sweets. And it was just something that me and my sister did together. Like it was like how we bonded. It was like, I remember I was once um, sitting in like the front room and I was going to go somewhere and we both had a pack of Smarties each and I put all my Smarties in colours and counted how many of each colours there were so that she wouldn't take any while I was away. So that was sort of like the first part of my food and body story. Um, And then when, when I went into foster care, I was really lucky. I stayed with my sister. So we stayed together and we stayed with the same foster carers. So that I'm 31 now. And when I go home for Christmas, I go to my foster mums. Like when I bought my first flat, my foster mum lent me money for the deposit and gave me some as a gift. So it's like a really loving sort of like nurturing home. Um, my foster mum is older like for someone that would be like someone's my age parent so I'm 31 now and she's 65 so she's a bit older than like my peers parents um and for her I think she was really like a big part of of like that group of women where slimming clubs was their community and where they went to socialize and where they went to meet people and to talk. Um, so slimming clubs, as literally as soon as I went into care, my, my sister and I 
um, we developed really young and we were really sort of like always quite tall. So um, to give you an idea, I'm five eight nearly now. And I stopped growing when I was about 13. So we've always been really, really tall compared to people our age. And so our BMI was always high, even though we, we weren't fat. And I think because of my foster mum and like the generation that she's from, and then the added pressure from the local authority in people in their care, not being a specific site or being at risk of things. I literally went to a diet club from when I was nine and my, my sister did too. So she was seven. Wow. Yeah. And my, my sister was always like bigger. I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes for people that are listening, but she, it was literally like a child that had been in control of whatever they ate, used food as a sort of like comfort. Mm-hmm. And if we were both left to our own devices, everything probably would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the slimming club that we went to was one, I think it was called like lifestyle. And it was one where you could have like free Miller yogurts in a day. Um, you could have like crispy pancakes and salad. It's, it was really similar to Slimming World, mm-hmm. um, but you couldn't have unlimited Miller lights. You could just mm-hmm. have free. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just free Miller lights. No one needs more than one in a day, but have free. Um, so, so yeah, that was literally from when we were a young age. Um, and, and what would happen because we were on these diets, like in the evening, it would be like, you can just have one biscuit or you can just have, so there was always restriction around food, um, in the house when we were in at our foster parents house and then we would see our mum and she'd give us 20 quid or 40 quid and then we could go and buy what we wanted um and when we had money on the on the walk home from school um we would buy sweets and chocolate and ice cream and we would just hide it in our rooms and eat it in our rooms mm-hmm. and even to the point where when I went into care I stayed at the primary school that I was at until it was time to go to secondary school and it was ha- a half an hour drive and I used to get my volunteer driver to stop at a petrol station so I could get sweets mm-hmm. and chocolate mm-hmm. so um for me I guess sort of like secret eating and using food as comfort has always been like a huge part of sort of like who I am um and even sort of like in my sort of like late teens early 20s I still was going to slimming clubs like the slimming world was the the main one that I went to um and it was I've been thinking about this a lot and obviously now I've done loads of work with Gillian and I I, I, every day it'll go into my head I'm going to start a diet tomorrow and I think I've I've realized what it is that I like about it like it's a thought of like a fresh start Mm. it's like oh my god I'm going to do this challenge and it's it's not the idea of the result of it it's like this is we're made to think it will change everything in our lives and 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 yeah. that's that's what I felt like and I would when I was sort of like especially when I was younger I would go to these swimming clubs I would stick to it mainly and I would lose like 
loads of pounds every week. And even when I had been in air quotes bad, I would still lose weight. And Mm. I loved like, I loved the praise and I loved like the camaraderie of it. Like people sort of like Mm -hmm. being like, oh, how have you done it again? And stuff like that. It's just Mm -hmm. like- The achievement of it. Yeah, like I proper buzz off like positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And I really got that. And then sort of like in my mid twenties, I remember going to Weight Watchers and I, I said to them, I put my goal weight as a specific weight. And it was, it was a weight where my BMI would probably still be high. And, but it was still a weight where I was losing maybe probably like, and I remember writing the goal weight and the woman, the consultant was like, is that it? Wow. Wow. I can resonate with this so much of what you're saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, and I was just like, N-. so then I changed it to zone lighter because I was like, okay, oh, then. Um, Weight Watchers wasn't for me. I'm not like one for like, like of all the diets that I did, it was just too much hard work, mm-hmm. um, like tracking, actually tracking stuff. Um, so yeah, so I had done sort of like weight, clubs until sort of like my late 20s say and then um I stopped drinking alcohol and I stopped drinking alcohol not for weight reasons uh can I can I swear on this of course absolutely it's encouraged um it was because I was an absolute fucking mess (laughs) and I would like go out on like a Thursday or Friday I would drink like like binge to excess like get blackout drunk my my next day would be literally like a hungover like anxious mess like the anxiety that I had was like like I, I because of everything that happened when I was a kid like I have like I can have like bad mental health and feel bad about myself anyway but when I was hungover I was like I'm literally a worthless piece of shit like what is the point of me being here mm-hmm. and like my behavior was really dangerous like I I always say like I wasn't like suicidal in the sense that like I wanted to take my own life but I literally didn't care if I lived or died like I was happy to put myself at risk if something bad happened then that was what I deserved like that was the kind of space I was in and I stopped drinking alcohol and um like literally it was like oh my god like I felt like a new person like I felt like I had all this time back, all this energy back. And I went on this massive self-development journey. Like if you've read a self-development book, I've got read it. I can tell you my notes on it. If you've got up at 5am, I've got up at 5am. I can tell you all the things that I did then. Like, And in that time, I started reading um, sort of like body positive books as well. And um, so for me, like I had done a lot of the work. So once I read one of these books, which was about four years ago, I stopped weighing myself. And I was like, I don't weigh myself. I'm not controlled by the scales and that kind of thing. And I started sort of like exercising. And like I've done couch to 5K a couple of times. And then with doing couch to 5k and doing self-development books like I guess different things came into my mind that I didn't necessarily 
want to learn about but did learn about one of the books that I read was um an Alan Carr book not Alan Carr chatty man Alan Carr who can make you quit anything mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. however many days because lots of people that don't drink stop drinking through his book or his course and smoking right yeah, yeah and smoking. smoking and he had one about sugar and I read it and I stopped eating sugar and I was running and naturally if you don't eat sugar you're running you're not drinking alcohol like you're not hanging out your ass so you're not eating McDonald's or whatever um I obviously like lost weight but this was at the time where I was like I don't weigh myself so it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter but Mm -hmm. still sort of like looking at my slender face in awe like um And also at this time, just before I stopped drinking, I actually went vegan and it was literally like overnight, went from like a top carnivore to complete vegan. And again, this was something I did it for ethical reasons, like for animals. And um, I, again, felt like I had like full freedom and it was like completely my choice and stuff like that. Um, And all of that was fine. So being sober and being vegan was fine. And then lockdown happened and I lived alone at the time. Um, halfway through it, I got sacked. So I became self-employed and it was like, it was like my whole world unraveled. So all this stuff, like all this shit that from my life that I had been avoiding through being busy or drinking or working and then going out after work or just sort of like not sitting still, just literally like caught up with me. And I didn't even notice it happening, but like, it also feels like it was a smack in the face at the same time. And um, it basically got to the point where I was reading so so one of one of the things before this was like my sister who is what like we're literally like best friends she's like my hero biggest inspo she had started talking to someone about food so she had um lost loads of weight and then was like I'm I literally have an eat like I have I have an undiagnosed eating disorder because I'm still fat basically um and she started talking to someone about food and she started reading books and she started recommending them to me and when I was vegan she was she would sort of like challenge it but in a way where we were sisters and I was like fuck you why are you fucking saying that kind of thing (laughs) um but she was sort of like a lot further along in her journey to me and I remember once she she came up and visited and Bourneville Fingers at the time were vegan and we were just sat having a drink and I ate the whole packet while we were having a cup of tea and she was like why have you ate all of them (laughs) I was like Mm. why not I was like I don't restrict food I don't weigh myself like And I was just binging on foods that were vegan that I liked. Mm. So it's not like I was putting the effort into being vegan where I was getting sort of like air quotes, everything I needed in a day. I would just sit there and eat whatever I could eat. Um, So 
yeah sort of that happened and I was like oh yeah I am like binging a lot on food and then I was reading a book it's a fictional book by Marianne Keys um called Grown Ups and it's sort of like this story about a family and there's loads of characters and lots of them come together on this holiday and you learn different things about each character and in it that one of the characters um had bulimia and so she would talk about her binges and I was like oh my god like I can really relate to that and I mm. never purged and and this character got to the part the point where she just binged just binged and then she finally got to the stage where she purged and then the next part of her journey is her being in recovery for bulimia and she's on this this diet where she's mechanically eating and having snacks and it means she doesn't binge or mm. she has like a toolkit to help her not binge and I was reading this and I was like oh my god so I was I was just sat there googling diets for bulimics in recovery because I wanted to find her eating plan right and that's when oh. I was like oh my god like this is like gone too far like I need to speak to somebody about this mm. um and my sister, again, who's on this journey, she works with um, an amazing PT called Carly. And Carly is a Hayes PT. Um, and so I just spoke to Carly. I was like, I, do you know anyone that I can speak to? And then she recommended Gillian. And then the rest is history. And here we are. <laughs> wow, and here we are. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. such a incredible, and I resonate with so much of what you're saying there about the slimming clubs and stuff like that, because, and what a young age to be, you know, in that environment. That's yeah. so young, isn't it, for you and your sister? And I, but I think it's not, um, it's not uncommon. I think many listeners will resonate with that. And, mm. and, and yeah. So, yeah, that's happened to them. I think what's really interesting about your story, Siobhan, is this, um, double-edged sword of like um what we hear a lot and maybe what you're speaking to Tamsin is this idea that kids from a really young age are in these environments where food is voluntarily restricted because of parents who are essentially feeding fat feeding their own weight gain inflicting that on their children feeding children um gaining weight so it's this um sort of intergenerational cycle of of voluntary restriction but with you Siobhan you you have that in terms of when you when you moved in with your foster parents but before that this um involuntary restriction right this like um feast or famine environment and we talk a lot of the time I, I I've heard you talk about this Tamsin getting back to a, a relationship with food that we had when we were really young or getting back to being embodied how we were as children and and actually what I'm hearing from you now is you don't have memories of a peaceful relationship with food because of that involuntary feast or famine binging was something that started for you really really young from a access to food perspective yeah and I, th I think that is is something that we well, spoke to Gillian about recently it's something that like 
my it's not just like a fit a mental thing that I have with food like it's a physical thing so um what recently I was eating a kinder bueno and my boyfriend was upstairs and I just I eat in front of him freely what and I came he I could hear him walking down the stairs and my whole body like clenched up and my heart started beating so fast because I was like I'm eating chocolate chocolate is a binge food or someone's gonna see me eating it mm-hmm. it's and like your body remembers your yeah. body remembers that scarcity and that all or nothing mm. mindset doesn't it and that kind of trauma right that trauma lives in us and if that's been your reaction of this is bad this is wrong this is something I should be doing privately I don't want to be seen and particularly what it sounds like is I don't want to be caught right don't want to be caught doing this um so yeah that that and so interesting that you notice that and you notice it in an environment that actually when your nervous system's regulated this is a safe environment for me to eat a kinder bueno yeah and I just felt really lucky that we, we were doing this work that I could be like oh like it's okay like and not just sort of like soothe myself but take note that mm-hmm. that is a reaction that I had and like it's exactly what's ha- like both of you said it's something that my body knows and not just like my brain um and it's been informed by what's happened to me so yeah also it's really worth noting there that you you know this isn't a like one and done is it this is not like a a journey where you just kind of you know all the things and then that's the end of it like you never have those thoughts those questions those things coming up I think that demonstrates that so perfectly that something so recently you know it doesn't it doesn't mean you're it just it's just part of that healing journey is would you agree with that it's like I completely agree with that one of one of I was I felt a bit nervous coming on the podcast because I was like I'm not fixed like yesterday I forgot to eat two meals and like and I was like but how can I go on here and say this and it's like you you just have to know that like I did this is how I food has been for me for 31 years Mm -hmm. and it's not just six months that's going to change that and it's also like being being like, yeah, you did forget to eat, but you, last night you went home and you cooked a meal in the slow cooker, so you knew that you had something the next day. Like you learned from it. It's just sort of like not like being kind to yourself and knowing that it will always be something that you're learning and about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think we talk about that so often about that kind of this idea that we have to be completely fixed and healed and even as professionals that we could never have a body thought or a food thought and it's just not reality mm-hmm. um but I would love to know like more about what your relationship is like with your body specifically as you know obviously you talked about the food and stuff but in terms of your body and how you feel about your body could you speak to that a little bit for me like just so I can understand like where that journey's taken you so my body has always been something that I've literally just like avoided and pretended it wasn't there so obviously even with me sort of like being taller than my friends when I was a kid I've always felt big and then I was basically told that I was big and that's why I went to slimming clubs and um, I can tell you now I wasn't (laughs) I was not um and 
it's literally it's something that like I've wanted to shrink and I've and that's even when I've been small and I think I've I've just I've never had a grasp of what my body like should be to me and how it should feel and what I want it to be um it's something that like I never really look in mirrors um since I stopped weighing myself like the only way I know like my size is through through like clothing that I wear and how it feels um and I remember on our first call to to I said to Jillian I was like I'm this size now um like it's one size bigger than the size that I feel comfortable with and I'm not letting it get any bigger like I'm not and Gillian was like why and I was like because it can't happen <laughs> and it, it, it's just like this sort of like irrational sort of thing that it, I, I just don't know I feel quite like before doing this work I feel I felt like completely separate to my body Mm. and it's something that I have tried to sort of work on but again it's 31 years of not looking in the mirror not having a full-length mirror just looking at my face and sort of things that you said Tamsin I remember you said um in one of the podcasts about photos you just take selfies and and stuff like that so it's just sort of like in the last six months especially in the last two or three months I've spent a lot more time or like saying to people can you take a picture of me here and having a full-length body and and just being like this is my body mm-hmm. um and this has been hard to do in the last six months but it's something that I've maybe worked on more since I stopped drinking is just appreciating for what it's done for me so I might not be able to appreciate like how it sort of looks but I used to literally (laughs) put it through hell every weekend and it still allowed me to live and do nice things and like cuddle my sister or like go for walks and stuff like that so I think with body we can get so caught up in how it looks, but we have to think about everything else that it does for us. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here listening to you, Siobhan, and thinking how everything in this sort of last 10 minutes that you've talked about is like so laced with self-compassion. And in the beginning of our work together, I didn't see any of that in you at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yes. It's like learning that self-compassion, like almost like a muscle, like, you know, really kind of. That's that's probably been like the the hardest thing Mm. for me to to, um, sort of work on. Um, So obviously everything that's happened in my life has meant like I feel a certain way about myself a lot of the times. Mm. Um, I also have ADHD. So um, talking sort of like badly about myself um is one of the biggest like biggest struggles that I have mental health wise is sort of like berating myself but Mm. 
with working with Gillian, I, was, I, was, I feel so lucky that we started working together when we did, because basically I got my ADHD diagnosis, but then I also had lots of like, sort of like physical health issues that mm. I don't know how I would have managed them if I wasn't working with Gillian, because I was literally like, my body is growing and now it, it felt like it was failing. So, and it wasn't, it, it's just, I was lucky and I never had any physical health issues up until now um but yeah self-compassion is something that again I'll always be learning Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um I've learned so many tools to try and sort of like be kinder to myself and sort of like say oh you did this yeah but it's okay because of this Mm -hmm. I think sometimes self-compassion just feels so super indulgent when you're not, you're not really used to or kind of encouraged or shown how to be there for yourself. We're, we're shown how to be there for other people. And like you said, you growing up, you know, you were the, you were caring for your sister so much of the time through encouraging that. So like having self-compassion for yourself probably felt very at odds with, you know, the, the what you had, been through and what you've been used to and as as well that has been mixed with sort of like I remember when I this summer I went home and we cleared out the loft and I found a list that I wrote when I was 12 and it wrote down like the good things that I had done and the bad things I had done Hmm. and 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 stuff like so it's something that I've always been sort of like critical of and certain family members have like enforced that in me as well like like when I got my GCSE results, one of my family members, I got nothing under a C and one of my family members was like, is that it? And mm. so, so I guess it, up until this point, when I've been critical of myself, people have been like, yeah, some people have been like, yeah, you, you were a dick, especially when I was drinking. Like if mm. I go out and cause carnage <laughs> and ruin everyone else's night and not remember, and I'd apologize and be like, I'm sorry, I was a dick. They'd be like, yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I guess it's, I think I've had like a, such a massive identity crisis throughout our work together as well. Like I realized like I pushed so much of my um, identity onto being sober, onto being vegan, onto being this and being that and it's like what actually is just Siobhan like what do I like doing who do I want to be how do I want to talk to myself how do I want to be around food um what do you like about yourself yeah that yeah. mainly that I'm fucking hilarious yeah yeah <laughs> and that is true we have had so much fun during our sessions because you do make me laugh a lot um but yeah you're right I think the the black and white thinking is what I'm hearing from what you're saying that you've identified from a really young age that it's like if it's not this if it's not perfect we've spoken a lot about perfectionism right if it's not 100% this then it's the complete opposite and we've we've had to work really hard and I think maybe with your ADHD diagnosis that's that's plays part of it right as well um but but even out with that to be in the gray to be in the messy middle of like it's not perfect but it's not awful and sort of sliding always along that spectrum 
it isn't a comfortable place to be if you're not used to it it doesn't feel like it's one thing or the other it feels like we're floundering it feels like there's no marker to tell us if we're doing things right or not and 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 yes that's right there's not and how can we be okay with that it's um yeah I'm thinking about um a piece of writing that you um was it our second I want to say it was maybe our second session I think I gave you it as homework is that right so we had our discovery call Mm -hmm. and then um I started I just want to say this as well while I'm thinking of it so before starting I was like oh my god I literally can't afford this like what like this is this is a lot of money like I don't know if I want to pay for it or whatever and then after our discovery call I was like yes like I have to do this and I was gonna pay monthly and I remember just thinking I want this transaction of energy and money and sort of like trust to feel like as good as I feel now and that's why I I like took the money out of my savings and paid it all in one because I was like I do not want to be scrambling for the monthly installments Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad I did that because like it has always just been for it it wasn't just like an investment in Gillian it was like an investment in myself like I am worth like paying this money and not googling recovering bulimia diets like and it was just I think that was one of the first steps where it was like you're worth this you are worth this investment you're worth this time you're worth this money and like it's the next step to make you feel how you want to feel so thanks for sharing that and also I want to say too is you've you've continued that investment in yourself throughout the last six months like in the beginning yes it was that um as you say the investment of of money but what you've once that was done in the very beginning you've continued to show up you've continued to be engaged in the process you've continued to be interested and curious and I think we've both but particularly you just learned so much about yourself and connected so many dots and it absolutely like I want to reiterate more more than anyone else there is no to be fixed right because you're not broken I'm not broken Tamsin's not broken yes this is a healing journey but but we talk about this a lot don't we Tamsin on the podcast that there is no destination of healed or or as recovered full stop which is a really controversial topic in particularly eating disorder recovery but we um we are constantly being re-traumatized in this world we're constantly being um through capitalism told that there's something wrong with us um for profit so so long as we live in that system we're never going to feel um immune to any of it but we can take steps to feel more whole and more imperfectly human and just get used to living in that messy middle place with some tools to help us sort of pull us ashore again when we feel a little bit adrift um so yeah I I've absolutely loved working with you it's um it's been so rewarding and so fun but also I've seen like to witness how far you've come it's just been such a pleasure 
And I'm going to cry now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all really emotional today. Oh, no, we are it's really about to get worse, today. isn't it? Uh oh. <laughs> um, uh, so after that call, then you, so it was after the discovery call or after our first session, I, I don't remember, but you went and. So we had the discovery call and then when you sign up to Jillian's um, like coaching you also get Jillian's course and I was making my way through um, the course after our discovery call so we had a discovery call and then I booked a call maybe a couple of weeks after and I, I was doing a couple of the like the first and second module and um, in one of them, there's a writing exercise and um, it's Gillian's friend that hosts sort of like a workshop that is like a YouTube video that you watch. And um, I watched it sort of like um, in trance, like I, I just loved it. Like it was, it was, I love writing. Like I did a, a theatre degree and I did my dissertation in writing. So um I, I was just like what it was like at a time when I went and saw a writer that I love as well like the night before and then I watched this writing thing and then these words just sort of like poured out of me and I was like I've, I've started the course Gillian and I've written this do you want to listen to it it's like the first thing that I said I love yeah. praise so <laughs> and, and well you've got more than praise you've got honesty. me crying at the other side of the zoom call and I was like great this is our first call together and here I am a complete mess but do you know what we're human and it really touched me um it you're so it was just you're so talented and it, it just blew me away so um yeah and I'm so happy you're willing to share that piece um I was kind of wanted to ask you but at the same time I know how personal it is um at the same time I think everyone listening to this will resonate amazing I'm gonna read it now because I feel like we've done a lot of teasing in the yeah 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 we are te- <laughs> we're teasing the audience right to the end of this episode aren't we I'm Tamsin yeah. hey um, I know I'm preparing myself I feel like I should do petitions reasons that I'm grateful to and for my body it got me this far Throughout my life, I have abused my body and taken it for granted. I've poisoned it. I've overworked it. I've starved it. I've overfilled it. I've deprived it of sleep, of love, of care, of pride, of hope. I've told her that life cannot begin or will not be worth living until she changes or shrinks. I've hated her. I've neglected her and I've never truly loved her. I've told her she can't run, that she is no good at movement and that she will never, ever be good enough. I've hidden her away in clothes that are too big and I've hated her for spilling over clothes that are too small. I've let her be used by men who are not good enough. I've told her that she has ruined weddings and important life moments for being large. I have compared her to peers, family and celebrities. She has been the butt of far too many jokes, both by me and by other people. I have let people comment on her and I've not had her back. 
I didn't defend her. I didn't advocate for her. I told people that she will change. She will transform and she will do better. I have apologized to people on her behalf for taking up space. I have felt ashamed of her. I have felt embarrassed of her. From a young age, people told me her flaws and that her size was wrong and I believed them. I laughed along with them or I cried or I got angry and I never showed her the love that she needed to recover from those wounds. I praised her for making herself smaller for taking up less space. As she shrank, I beamed with pride and also chased better, smaller things. She has never been good enough. I have always told her that she is not and will never be good enough. When she has told me her needs, I have ignored her. I have not trusted her. I have told her that she is wrong and I am right. I have told her that she is unworthy, that she is disgusting, grotesque, and too big. I keep thinking about restricting her. I think about cutting parts of her off. I think about how she gets in the way of things and how she gets in the way of me. I hate her for constantly craving sugar. I hate her even more for constantly eating it. I've been at war with her for about 21 years now. And in that time, she has been completely defenseless and merely existing. I cannot promise her that all of this will change overnight, but I can promise her that I am trying to change and I am ready to learn the skills and tools to give her all of the love, nutrients, movement, kindness, care, and grace that she deserves. She has always been there for me. And it is about time that I showed her that love and consistency back. Wow, I've literally got no words. Like everything you said, it's like, I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, you, have managed to articulate I think in that what I'm sure every I was going to say women but every person on this planet at some point in their life have felt that way have had those thoughts thank you yeah thank you so much for sharing that I think that's just it's it's beautiful but heartbreaking all at the same time Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. How do you feel reading that back, you know, almost six months on from when you wrote it? It felt like a, when I like finished it then, it felt like I was like making a contract to myself. Mm-hmm. Like being like, it was like a way to get everything that I felt out, but in a place knowing that like this could change like you're gonna work and this is gonna change like you don't have to feel like this Mm -hmm. and it was sort of like a place where I gave myself permission to write down all like my deepest darkest thoughts about how all the things that I'd felt Mm -hmm. and 
but then also like make a promise that like this isn't going to be forever now like Mm -hmm. this is this starts to change now um and I think it reading it back now because I I haven't read it since we since I read it to you I think I think I read it to a couple of people that week so I was like I'm so good at writing yeah it's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) um but it felt like reading it I was like oh I haven't felt this this particular thought in a long time Mm -hmm. like I haven't felt this particular thought in a long time and specifically the one that stuck with me was like get it getting in the way like I remember when we, we we first started working together and my size probably hasn't changed and I remember being like my stomach is literally in the way of everything and it's just like annoying me like mm-hmm. I, I can't do things that and it's not it was just me getting used to like the physicality of it and like how it actually felt mm-hmm. yeah um and I think as well, like since sort of doing that, like I was saying to Jillian, like like writing there, like burying myself in clothes that are too big or like having clothes that are too small. Like I always did have clothes that were too big or too small. And I, I would never invest in like clothes that would fit me, especially when I was sort of like growing. And like this summer, I bought summer dresses that I felt good in and when I was going somewhere it meant I didn't have a breakdown every time Mm. I was going out because I didn't know what to wear and it fitted me I look nice in it I got compliments about it and 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 stuff like that so I think even sort of like things that you don't think are part of the work like you just realize that they are like there are so many things that you'd think well what's the point in that and it, Mm. it they all play probably a much bigger part than you think they do yeah yeah Yeah, this whole idea of acceptance right is about not waiting for you know the magic day it's about how can we start to live a life of kindness and and pleasure now with with their body the way it is right now because we we have no idea what if when you know um it might change so that's what I'm hearing when you said that you know rather than living from this place of wearing clothes too big or hoping one day that we're you're going to fit into the smaller clothes again it's like we can spend years in that place years and years decades sometimes but to have enough self-compassion and acceptance for where we are today and live from that place as best we can um that's all we have right right now so thank you so much what do you mind me asking before we close up what's what does I know you don't have a crystal ball but what does the future hold in terms of what do you hope to continue working on what what have you taken most from the last six months we've worked together um I think one of the biggest things I've taken from the last six months is like I thought I had done the work like I had read books I had watched Instagram pages with people on that and like had listened to people and like that wasn't even touching the surface of doing the work and having sort of like an impartial person like 
to have my back and be and me be like oh my I literally can't do this like all these things are happening and and have an impartial person that has got your back and is on your side to to be sort of like this is okay like that has been sort of like the the biggest thing because so with especially with food like so many like everyone has their own shit with food you can you cannot speak to someone about food and get like an an answer that is gonna support how you're feeling because everyone thinks that they know the best about it um so that was like I literally don't know what I would have done the last six months if I hadn't had someone like in my corner on this sort of work um the future is less self-development books (laughs) yeah more Um, more living (laughs) more living and just sort of like learning like who I am what I'm about and what I like um I recently went on holiday to Italy and I realized like a lot of the way I feel is actually really environmental and situational and it's being self-employed and working from home and all those kinds of things like when I'm left to my own devices I like eat whatever I want and don't worry and I go out for long walks and I go for loads of swims and that is all my choice and so basically the future holds me winning the lottery living in Italy (laughs) near Lake Garda and doing what I want but no it's I think just like another thing is just staying curious like I never do something now and don't really question it and I was like oh that's interesting why has that happened Mm -hmm. rather than being like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah yeah Yeah. oh that's that's so that's so good I love that because that is the first thought isn't it when you're stuck in that cycle and you're stuck back in diet culture it's always back to what could I you know why am I like this what have I done you know instead of being curious Mm. I, I really love that yeah and it speaks to what we talk about all the time Tams and like once you take once you remove your body as the target, I'm thinking like a dartboard, right? There's or the shooting target. Once you once you remove your body as that, then we can only then start to get really cu- curious, as you say, and start that process of exploring like who the fuck are we? Mm-hmm. Right? Who are we? Who do we want to be? Um, and start to really dig into that. But so long as we blame our body for everything um or be stuck in this cycle with food we don't we we can't even begin to start that process and 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 as we say all the time we think this stuff is about food we think it's about our body but actually it moves into all these other amazing places and it's exciting I'm excited for you thanks Yeah. I'm excited too and thank I just want to say thank you both for having me and thank you obviously thank you Gillian for You're working with me it's been such a amazing sort of like journey and I feel really grateful feels really sort of like right person right time kind mm-hmm. of thing um and for being patient for when I'm like I don't <laughs> want to speak to anyone <laughs> ever again <laughs> yeah um yeah. So yeah, it has been like, just to reiterate what Gillian said, like 
I think in the last session we had, we didn't even speak about food because yeah, that's right. That's yeah. like the issue is not about my food and my body. It's yeah. about other things. So but that's so hard, I think, to grasp when you're at the beginning of the journey, yeah. because, yeah, yeah. and this is what Gillian and I, this is the reason this podcast exists is because we wanted to get beyond that conversation. And I think when you're, when you're talking about this on social media, it's very difficult to get past that part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and really understand what we mean by like the the food is not it's not that it's not there that's not where this where this kind of changes for everybody thank you so much for being so honest and vulnerable and and sharing so so, like especially all those words that you shared it was just incredible thank you so much you're welcome thanks Thanks, thank you bye-bye